Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I was able to sound the siren for you guys oh, in a again. victory. Here we you know go what I'm again. saying? Uh, last season. It's Wes. And so I was told that All the right. spots are full for this year. And so we need the big dog to come through and pull some weight. Get the Wes and Walker right. show up there right. so that because we can sound that long. And Walker. You want to get on that siren and the fact that you brought us the WC, you're in. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. There we go. Let's go. Wes and Walker sounding the siren. Wesson Walker Show. Oh, what we got? Fiddy is getting happy. It seems like this is a big one. What you got, Fiddy? Walker, get your tears ready, man. Oh, it happened. It happened? Charlotte is trading P.J. Washington to the Dallas Mavericks for a package around Grant Williams. Come on. Seth Curry. Come on. Oh! And a first-round pick. Well, look Woo! at that. There goes the campus corner. The hell with that. I guess we're going to move that around. Look, man. Okay. That's nice there. A part <laughs> of the punishments that we had in the random wheel of death was for me to write a poem to one Josh Fitty Marlowe, and it could only be nice things. I think not a punishment for me, but a privilege would be to write a poem to P.J. Washington because of my love for P.J. and what he did here with the Charlotte Hornets. I imagine I'm going to get a lot of people tweeting at me. I imagine I'm going to get a lot of notifications. If you need a hug during slash the break, mentions. Man, I got you. I will welcome those hugs. If you see me on the street and I'm sulking, you know why. But here's what I'll say. A first-round pick, Grant Williams and Seth Curry. That's nice, man. Hey, man. Hey, like good, so, so, Good job, Mitch. Hey, no, honestly, hey. I'm with you. Um, you know, I'm sad to see PJ go. He was such an integral part of our team. Uh, but we're getting Grant Williams. It's like PJ Light. Uh, PJ Light that sounds like PBR. I had a bad night on PBR one time. <laughs> I'd never want to do that again. Got a first round pick. I don't know if I'm going to use the first round pick. It'll be somebody else. A Duke connection, maybe. Jake Fisher said that. I I like fishing. I, the biggest fish I ever caught was. A large mouth in Lake Norman one time. Um, what's that, Mike? What's that word? It's deadline day. Mm. Oh, okay, I got to get back. Uh, sorry, PJ, I had to trade you. Mm. I like so the return. I like the return. I'm telling you, yes, even me, who likes PJ Washington, I always thought that he was undervalued. He was polarizing. Yes, I know I'm the PJ defender. I totally understand all of that. I welcome everybody's mentions. I welcome everybody's hugs. This is a good trade if you get a first-round pick and you get P.J. Light and Grant Williams and you get a shooter who you can figure out what you want to do with Seth Curry. You got one. You got one Curry. I really like this trade for Charlotte. 
I think it's a good one. No, this is a good deal. This is no doubt their best haul. And Grant Williams hasn't been that great. I mean, he looked like he was off to a great start in Boston, and then he's starting to get traded uh, around a lot. So hopefully being back home is going to wake him back up, revitalize his game. And I think, too, these are the kind of pieces from a culture perspective that you need, especially bringing in a guy like a Seth Curry. We'll see if the Hornets indeed hold on to him, but I wouldn't see uh, any reason that they would not. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I'm just – the first round pick is huge, man. Do you think that Seth Curry's a buyout guy? Do you think he's going to be here? Uh, he's definitely the least valuable piece in this return. Yeah. If if you were com- if you were contending this year, then Seth would help. Okay, we get some shooting. You put him out there. Who he's going to get cooked on defense. They're going to attack him every single time. But you do some offense for defense scenarios. Just see if you can live on that end of the floor, depending on some lineups. But Seth Curry on this squad, he's coming back to Charlotte. That'll be a cool story. But the least valuable thing in this deal to get Grant Williams, who remember we thought they might try to dive into their mid-level exception and bring back both PJ and Grant. So it didn't work out in Dallas. You quite literally bring Grant home, as we were talking about with T. Grant is from Charlotte, so that's cool. But the first-round pick, I don't know how protected it is. It's a lightly protected 2027 first-round pick. Lightly protected. What does that that mean? That means they probably have like an 80-year-old. It's like a greeter at Walmart protecting it. That's the security. (laughs) I like like that idea. (laughs) I like the idea of the 80-year-old Walmart greeter with the first-round pick. You, like, it's not non-zero, but all you have to do is just welcome a slight breeze to knock the greeter over, and then you can go pick up that first-round pick. So, 2027, it's pretty far out, but it's still another asset. And so now what happens is you have this 2020 – you have two picks now in 2027, right? Miami and Dallas. The Miami pick that you got in the Terry Rozier trade, it goes unprotected, which is – a big deal, even if it's so far out, unprotected in 2028. And so now you have both of these picks, Wes, to be able to use for whoever you want to go after. People want Donovan Mitchell, right? People want that star. These two first round picks can help you if the time is necessary to go after one of those other guys to help LaMelo if he's on the team, Brandon Miller. You also have some cap space to work with. So, yeah, man, I, Grant Williams also not a bad contract if we just want to take that into consideration. He's making a little less than PJ. Like four year fifty four. Similar timeline. I look. Yes, I know it's weird, right? This this was always the thing with my opinion of PJ. I always felt people were too hard on him. I always felt like defensively he really helped. Yes, good lord. I know he could give you forty one night and he could give you zero. It was a bad night last night. Played a little bit in my opinion, like he knew he was getting traded, a la Terry Rozier when he played against Minnesota and then got traded the next day, but. I think PJ prop. It's just a good change of scenery for him too, man. Like I'm sure PJ welcomes this. You have a home and home type deal. He's going back to Dallas where he's from, or he's from that area. I. It's funny too. Dallas wanted to go after PJ in the off season. They had their choice. And we thought PJ might be going to the Mavericks, but they get him in the trade. I like this man. Good, good is deal. Is Curry going to get to 30? Or is he going to have to change his number? Yeah, that's true. You want to good thought. Where I mean, Del Curry's number is not up there in the rafters. Oh, it's not I, because I I remember no, when they did the celebration. I wasn't sure if it was retired or not. Bobby Phils. Bobby Phils okay. is the only one. Yep, okay. that's the well, only I guess one. He can get to thirty. I he mean, can. Man, you talk about things changing in an instant. 
from them playing against Toronto, and then now you got a day, and then you play Friday at Milwaukee. It's going to be a whole different team for the most part out there. And so, yeah, so people, for the most part, I would imagine, are happy that P.J. We've got some people that are for P.J., but most people are saying great trade, 704, good trade, P.J., not consistent enough. Um, we're scrolling, we're scrolling. Uh, Bradley shooting blanks. Get the laugh from Fitty. Let's go. Buzz City is back, baby. Uh, Bebop from Rock Thrill. You know this one's going to be a doozy. The only thing PJ did for the Hornets was get cooked. Uh, oh, goodness. I'm glad I didn't read the rest of that text message. Bebop from Rock Thrill trying to give me an FCC uh, kind of violation. Maybe not so much. Anyways, you know. Back and forth on the P.J. Washington reception, him being traded. Most people do, though, think it's a good move. And I agree. Like, I like P.J. a lot. I think this is a good trade. All right, so you guys want me to go to sports flash mode and give you a really quick uh, campus corner before we go? We're going to keep talking P.J. Wes, you're the bus driver here, man. <laughs> you go right, ahead well, and take us, and we're going to ride. I'm not hopping out of the car. Right, That's no too doubt. dangerous. All right. Well, abbreviate. I'm going back to my sports flash mode. All right. We teased before the break. Florida State files a motion to dismiss its ACC lawsuit. So, finally, they can sit the hell down, and we can stop worrying about ACC realignment. Andrea Adelson re uh, reports that the Florida State Board of Trustees filed a motion Wednesday to dismiss the lawsuit. The ACC filed against it. In Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, they said in the motion, Florida State argues the ACC lawsuit is fundamentally flawed and an improper attempt at procedural fencing. So they're trying to get the yeah. lawsuit dismissed against them. So they didn't drop there. Right. They have. So they're still trying to get out. So I guess they are still. Yeah, uh, it's not there. it's not quite the ACC is saved. In fact, we still have some dispute between the two parties. So yeah. that's the problem. So we got that going. And then last night, Duke got back on track, smashing Notre Dame. What do we think about that? Quickly, they win 71 to 53. Uh, the Blue Devils bounce back after losing to the Tar Heels. So it looks like they weren't uh, showing up late to their shoot arounds. It looks like they were focused. Uh, and they got the job done, even though some guys didn't play good. Filipowski only eight points, two and nine field goals. He's having a weird year. So uh, quick thoughts on that. I think Duke. Well, OK, so Duke won getting that victory clearly just needed to go take care of business. And that's what they did against Notre Dame last night, getting what was close to a 20 point victory. I know Kyle Filipowski afterwards was talking about foul trouble and how he wasn't exactly thrilled with some of the foul trouble that he got in. He said that his facial expression doesn't match what he wants to portray and that he probably pretty mm -hmm. visibly gets frustrated. Yeah, this is just a game they needed to take care of and kudos to them for doing it. And we'll see what Kyle Filipowski and this Duke Blue Devils team can do once they like face legitimate competition after the Fighting Irish. Then the up and down season for NC State continues. They lose at home 67-64 to the Pitt Panthers. Jalen Lowe scored 20 points for Pitt as they got that victory. DJ Horn for NC State scored 25. They got Wake Forest uh, on Saturday. And then App State, they're losing streaks. So a lot of losing streaks around here coming to an end. Texas State took them out 63-56. to 56. App State only shot 21% from three. So that win streak is done. Uh, quick thoughts on NC State, man. Does this team just ever give you a reason? And you can text in on the text line 704-570-9610. I mean, does this team, they're a lot like Wake, in my opinion. It's like right when you want to get excited about them, they have a letdown, but it's going to be a big one between these two on Saturday. Yeah, it, look, you're, you beat Miami, you beat Georgia Tech. Okay, you know, 
solid enough wins. We know that Georgia Tech can upset you. We know that Miami, we thought they were going to be a good basketball team, but they're not. Canes are just not a good basketball team. They're not going dancing. And the fact that you lose to Pittsburgh, you know, if we want to blame P.J. Washington for being inconsistent, here's NC State being the P.J. Washington of the ACC right now, also losing to Pittsburgh 67-64. It's disappointing, and it's why you can't trust NC State week in and week out. All right, folks. Well, when we come back on the Weston Walker Show, we're going to talk about what will be more exciting. I guess we could say at this point what the Hornets have done at the trade deadline or the offseason for the Panthers on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. are wheeling and dealing at the trade deadline. How about Gordon Hayward getting traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder and P.J. Washington just now being traded to the Dallas Mavericks coming back in return for P.J. from the Dallas Mavericks. Grant Williams, Seth Curry, they're both coming home. Okay, we're looking for some 704 dudes here in the Queen City and you also get a first round draft pick, top two protected, I believe, with those details coming out, Fiddy? That is correct. So pretty much they've got a 2027 first round pick, 20, which now gives them three. Is that, a, is that correct, Walker? That's right. You have a 2027 first that is your own. You have a 2027 first that belongs to Miami. If it does not convey in the lottery, then it goes unprotected in 2028. And this is top two. So if something goes horribly, horribly wrong for Dallas, that would be the only way that you would not get the Dallas Mavericks pick. And this is the thing about that, man. Like, that first-round pick, one, it's huge because you can use them in trades to go get another big-time player. Like, you have two first-round picks now outside of your own that could be unprotected in 28, top two in 2027, lottery protected in 2027 if that one um, does actually hit, right? So you have those at your disposal to trade for whatever you want. And the other thing is, man – the fact that you now have both of those uh, both of those first round picks, you get a couple of players coming alongside them. The Hornets are going to have to try to figure out how to cut some of these guys because there's just too many on the roster, and you're not taking back any long term money that matters. Like Grant Williams is going to be on the books, but that's PJ's deal. Like eventually, it's a swap for players on the same deal with PJ and Grant, so that's not that big of a deal. And, you know, trading these, getting a couple first round picks in return. Mitch Kupchak was playing hardball with Dallas. I, I love it. So Mitch Kupchak, not wanting to lose any trades midseason, often led to him sitting on his hands and just not doing anything. It often led to us only getting Brad Wanamaker. It often led to us 
only getting Montrez Harrell for half a season in exchange for Ish Smith and Vernon Carey. These are the deals that were made at the deadline if the Hornets were involved. And so Mitch Kupchak is telling Dallas, hey, y'all like being in the play-in tournament with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in your backcourt? You guys like being only in the play-in tournament now with the Western Conference being a little wide open? It's certainly open for you guys. Cool. You don't want to make a trade. You don't want to get rid of a first-round pick. We'll see how happy Luka is. And man, Luka Doncic, we see it happen all the time in the NBA. What happens to disgruntled stars? They ask. They want out and they they get out. They ask out. They get to go exactly where they want to go. So now, if PJ goes to Dallas and they they don't end up making the postseason the next couple of years the way they want to, and they don't reach the Western Conference Finals, you have a couple of years for Luka to ask out and want to go elsewhere. And if that's the case, then that's going to be a bad basketball team. I know where he can go. I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. The big the big orange. I, I just like that Mitch Kupchak, he held on to his asking price. And no, you didn't get Josh Green. I would have liked that a lot. But you, you compensate. Okay, we don't get Josh Green, but I want a lightly, lightly protected first. And that's exactly what you got. Great job by Mitch. Like, what a, probably, it's weird. I'm in the twilight zone a little bit. I love P.J. Washington, but probably my favorite trade in execution and all what happened that Mitch Kupchak has ever been a part of. Yeah, you love that, what they got back for this, man, because that's the thing everybody's been waiting for, like you said. And, I mean, you still had a lot of people out there that didn't think the Hornets were going to make these moves. And now the Hornets have been one of the big deal makers of this trade deadline. And, again, I like some of the guys that they brought in as far as if they do stick to this roster. I just like the shakeup of it. Uh, there are a lot of guys now that are going to be gone from this this team and, and these lineups. And so I like some of the vets that you're getting back in return. A guy like Seth Curry, a guy like Grant Williams, guys that have been places and won, and guys that are adults and professionals. That's the thing I'm most excited about. Uh, I don't know how many of these guys that will be kept when we talked about the deal with Seth Curry, but I think he's going to be here. And so if we just work off the assumption that these guys are going to be a part of this squad, I like how the locker room dynamic is changing up. I feel like I got to say this as a PJ hater. This deal just proves that there was value for PJ in and around the NBA. Um, but secondly, I think we got to ask this question: Does this trade, does this aggressive nature from Mitch Kupchak happen if if, if MJ still owns the team? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know what Michael because I don't know if Michael was wanting to hold on to PJ Washington desperately so like that, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I do think that new ownership probably, I mean, pretty heavy handed in wanting to turn over a new chapter, like get to a different chapter in this book. And so if the owners are involved, like Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, where Jake Fisher hopped on these airwaves and told you, yeah, the owners are, you know, pretty involved here. They took a year to evaluate everything, take in all the information they could. And then once they were at the helm, they were the leaders of this franchise they realize this is what we're going to do, and we're going to shift from this era in Charlotte Hornets basketball. I, maybe that doesn't happen, but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Maybe this deal does happen. So now the other thing is, we broke, this came in from Brian Windhorst. Uh, excuse me. So Brian Windhorst reported yesterday that it was very likely that Miles Bridges would be traded. Miles goes for over 40 last night. He has two straight games where he records a career high. So basically just tell Miles Bridges that he's on the trade block constantly and that'll give you 40 points. <laughs> and so now the next day after he goes for another career high, 
Wojnarowski on the Woj pod says, I think Miles loves playing for Steve Clifford. I think those two have connected. Steve Clifford has done a remarkable job with the players he has at his disposal this year. Miles Bridges and his agent, Rich Paul, are going to veto any trade that might be at, you know, might be on the table to send Miles to a different franchise. The reason, so Miles is going to come back, according to all these reports. I bring up the relationship between Miles and Steve, Wes, because what did we hear from Nick Smith Jr. yesterday? Nick Smith Jr. told you Steve Clifford is the best coach that he's ever had. Miles Bridges loves Steve Clifford. If that locker room was lost completely, then I feel like Steve Clifford would have been fired, especially if new ownership is trying to look to make changes. When we had Jake Fisher, that same interview I just referenced, when we had him on about Steve Clifford's future, he said there's uncertainty regarding his future, like it's up in the air. But he felt pretty good about saying Mitch Kupchak was going to be gone, right? If LaMelo reportedly loves Steve Clifford, if Miles Bridges has a great relationship with Steve Clifford, and you're now looking to re-sign him. That's a possibility. Nick Smith Jr., Brandon Miller, all of these young guys that you look to keep a part of the foundation. Wes, I was scoffing at that thing. I was like, okay, Steve Clifford's not coming back. He's going to go elsewhere just like Mitch Kupchak is. What are the chances Steve Clifford comes back and makes Fiddy an angry person? I said that yesterday. I and I said I don't think that he should be gone. I see this man coaching as hard as he can possibly coach. And he's uh, illustrating and he is pushing the right things. He wants these guys to play defense. He wants them to rebound. He doesn't want them to be soft. We hear him on the coach yelling, turning red, purple, orange, green, all that. The man looks like a <laughs> Lucky Charms box when he's out there coaching his team. And that's what you want. I can't fault the man. All you can do is deliver the message. That's all you can do. But we know that these guys weren't doing these same things under Borrego. They're not doing them under Clifford. And that's why I like these trades, shaking up this locker room. You're getting a different dynamic. Now, I know Seth Curry, like you said, doesn't play the defense uh, that you're looking for. But still, getting some vets, some pros on this team, real professionals. But with Coach Man, I don't place a lot of the blame at his feet as far as what is happening with this team. He's coaching them the right way. He's telling them the right things. He's delivering the right messages in the media. Guys just aren't following it, and that's why we're seeing guys up out of here. And we're going to see more, more than likely. We talked about some of the moves that they're going to have to make during the break that's going to accommodate some of these guys, and I think that's even more trimming of the proverbial fat. So it's 1.30 um, on trade deadline day. I believe, is it 3 p.m. when the deadline hits? I think it's 3.30. 3.30. That's what I said yesterday. Okay, I thought it was 3.30. So 3.30. (laughs) Did you say thank you? No, I said 3.30. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) 3.30, okay? So we have two more hours left. You said the Hornets aren't done, and I I agree with you, like, this offseason, we'll see what they do because they have a lot of cap space they're working with. No more Gordon Hayward. I mean, I guess you are bringing back some money with Bertans and, you know, PJ's contract is just kind of a wash now because you're bringing in similar money with um, Seth Curry and also Grant Williams. But are they done today? That's my question. The only other one. Yeah, if they can't trade Miles Bridges, then yeah, I guess they are done. Yeah. Kyle Lowry would be the only other guy. All of the faces that we thought were going to be the targets at the trade deadline have been traded. Everything we thought would happen. Terry, Gordon. PJ, gone. Except for Miles. That's the only one. Yeah, yep. and, and that's already been established. He's going nowhere. Yeah, so so those are the only guys now. So, um, oh, Willie P is telling me it's 3 p.m. 
uh, that the trade deadline is. So, oh. all right, we 3 p.m., 3.30. Excuse us, the soccer guy schooling us up on NBA trade deadline. Yeah, Willie P. saying, no, actually, Salute. it's three. So, no, like, I, I don't think that they are going to make any more moves because Kyle Lowry is the other one worth exploring just to see. That could be a possibility before the day is out. But I expect that to, I expect that to um, play out on the buyout market. And I don't think it's going to happen. Why? I love it when fi- my favorite laugh is when the mic isn't on and you can hear it in the background. Yeah, and I and love- he's not looking at it. It's, it's my favorite. No, and, and I'm not even joking. That is my favorite. Why are you laughing, Fitty? All right. So I got a, I got a, t- a text from the hog father. And did you see the, the highlight that James Plowright tweeted last night about the defensive effort allowing Dennis Schroeder to go one on five and get a layup last night? Was it P.J. Washington not getting back on transition? So John Hollinger quotes the tweet and says there are 92 P.J. Washington clips from this year that look just like this one. And I couldn't help but laugh. No, the transition defense, not great. (laughs) Well, you're getting barked at maybe by a rookie. And I know we thought it was maybe more Nick Smith Jr. Well, you had the barking at him from from Brandon Miller. Mm -hmm. Then you had that quote the other night from Steve Clifford who said there's guys that average 15, 16 points a game. And they ain't good basketball players. You thought it was more of a Miles Bridges Because directive. he had the after timeout comment. <laughs> Maybe Steve Clifford did want PJ gone. You know what? Fine. I'll take the first round pick and I'll take uh, I'll take Grant, Grant Williams, Williams coming back. Uh, yeah, we got people now writing in. Sorry for your loss. Praying for you, Walker. Yeah, it's okay. You don't have to pray for me. <laughs> yeah, John Holl- Well, and, and you know. John Hollinger talking about the transition defense for the Hornets here. It's true. Like the transition defense is bad. And Brandon Miller, to be fair, is the only one that is getting back on defense right now to what you want to say about PJ. You could say that for every single player on this roster, including miles bridges, by the way, like miles is not out here getting back on defense either, but now PJ is going to Dallas. And I don't know if Steve Clifford is going to get these guys to play defense. I'm not sure, but you know, um, I do love the trade from Mitch Kupchak, and we'll see what else happens here as we move on. I do want to go back to the Steve Clifford uh, conversation, though. If these guys love Steve Clifford, then how frustrated you, you're here for him coming back. Like you want him back as a fan of this team. I'm fine unless there's a home run higher that you can go out there and make. I don't know that that's out there, and that hasn't been the Hornets' MO, but I think that Clifford is a guy worthy of another shot with a healthy roster with a different dynamic, a group of players that maybe he can coach and they'll follow directions a little better. When they hired Steve Clifford, I didn't like it because it Me just, neither. well, and it, and it was basically because they just didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Retread. And so you go after somebody that knows the organization and you bring him back. And so, okay, fine. I, I don't think a lot is on him this year. If you ask me, I'd rather go with a different coach. I'd rather have somebody else come in here and do kind of what the Panthers did. Go after a young assistant or whoever is an assistant coach and see what he can do at the next level and work with this squad. But what would that message say? I wonder if you're kind of at a disadvantage now because, okay, if you get rid of Steve and the players really like him, then... Is that a bad message from ownership to the players? Or do you really care? Because it's not like they've won anything anyway. You can only take what they want you know, so much of the way in your decision-making process. Say that again. Say that one more time. Well, it's just if the players like Steve Clifford mm-hmm. and then you get rid of them, is that a bad message from ownership to their players saying we really don't care what you think? Or yeah. 
Well, my but my question is, like, why should they care as much if they just continue to lose all the time? Right. Like they only have so much power in the decision making process if you're out here winning 10 games. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great debate right there, because you're going to listen to players that either you're on the cusp of winning or you're winning. Right. Because we see that in football, like we saw with the Raiders, like they kind of competed a bit, looked like a team that could be ascending like they did under uh, Antonio Pierce. And so you see guys saying, look, man, if you guys want the winning or want us to continue to rise, you got to leave this guy in place to where, whereas Clifford doesn't necessarily have that leg to stand on because the Hornets are so bad and these players don't have much power because, like you said, they're not winning. So how much is ownership going to lo- listen to losing players? Talk to us. Is it a text message that you're laughing at now? Oh, yeah. Or is it is it text yeah. messages between you and Colin still about No, PJ? this 252. F the players. If they loved him so much, they should have tried a little bit harder for him. That's a good point. <laughs> that, no, in in so many words, yeah. That's like if great Steve Clifford told you he failed at getting these guys to care about defense yesterday, like yeah. he, he told you that my man was just defeated. He was. They, they, he told you that he failed. Like you, if you want to blame PJ, fine. Like I'm the transition defense with this whole squad was terrible. Okay, it was. But half court, I felt like I was watching PJ even out there on the perimeter. If guys would get by him. What okay, it was a guard, and PJ had to make up for so many other mistakes in the half court set. Miles Bridges out here getting cut and also having terrible closeout where he flies by three point shooters and then gives up a wide open shot. This is what I was frustrated with. And so now, if these are the guys that you're going to roll with, okay, but they need to play better on that end of the floor. Mark Williams being out hurts. I wonder how much he can erase some of these defensive mistakes. I think he matters, but who knows about his injuries? I'd it's going to be interesting to see what I'm they man do. I'm here looking like Jimmy Butler in the bubble finals, man. That's how Steve Clifford is looking after these games. Oh, <laughs> and bent over at the scores table. <laughs> bent over at the scores He's table, He's tired. Man. And what's so frustrating is last year, post-All-Star break, they were top two in the NBA in defensive rating. So it was mm-hmm. like they bought in when they were eliminated from the playoffs. You thought that would carry over into a new season. Well, and also like. And it just, it's like for whatever reason, it never connected. So who was on the team, too? Okay. Second half of the season last year, who was on the squad? Miles Bridges wasn't. Lamella Ball wasn't playing. Yeah. Brandon Miller, who as much dude, Brandon Miller. You, you we can focus offensively on what he's doing, like yeah. he's great. If we want to keep it real, defensively, he's a turnstile right now, and that's okay. He's gonna get a lot better. Team defense. We saw the transition block. That dude is fantastic in effort plays. He's small, like he's skinny, and he's gonna get taken on drives and he can't stay in front of guards because they're just so much quicker. And all of that is totally fine because Brandon Miller has a crazy upside I didn't expect. So all of that's okay, but defensively, you lose Dennis Smith Jr. And then you welcome some of those other guys back that aren't good. Yeah, your defense is going to take a hit. Well, and also, I mean, and Wes kind of alluded to this when he clapped back at Terry Rozier. Like, Terry wanted to be this leader, but he was never getting on guys. He was never barking at dudes when they didn't play defense. So I think that's where that frustration lies in was you had these older guys here to kind of show the guys the way. But Gordon always hurt. And Terry just, I mean, he'd play offense. But, I mean, that man... Taking taking breaks for hours <laughs> defensively. Yeah, and, and even so, just limited anyway, right? Like, even when he did try, Terry Rozier, just a smaller guard. Yep. And so, defense, oh, go ahead. Oh, you're good. No, I was just saying, yeah, Dennis Smith Jr., good point of attack, didn't let people get by him, and, you know, which is frustrating as we're giving Mitch all this praise. That was frustrating that they didn't bring back Dennis Smith Jr. because I think he made a big impact defensively as well. 
either way, it's going to be a different era. I mean, that's a lot of players that got a lot of minutes that are out of this organization now. Terry, gone. Gordon, gone. PJ, gone. Yeah, I was just going to say Terry's defense was you scored two, I scored three. Kind of what it was. <laughs> and that's okay. Hey, it's a, it's a winning formula, I yeah. guess. <laughs> but that is what happened. All right, we'll continue with the NBA trade deadline going forward. We also have some more Carolina Panthers topics in the last hour. Before we finish up this 1 o'clock hour, though, we still got to bring you Fire Fizzle. Super Bowl edition. This is Wes's most memorable Super Bowl moments. He'll tell you whether his own memories are fire or whether his own <laughs> memories are fizzle. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Most memorable Super Bowl moments. Does he deem his own memories fire? Does he deem his own memories fizzle? This is quite literally undebatable. Can't tell you about your own memories, Wes. So if he says that they're fizzle, it's his memory. Fire, same thing. Let's start off with the first one on the list. The lights go out in the Superdome. And of course, this was the Super Bowl that saw San Francisco lose to the Baltimore Ravens. Michael Crabtree just couldn't bring it in from Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, man. Threw it way out of bounds. I had my baby there. He was still in diapers with his little Frank Gord jersey on. I couldn't cuss and carry on, especially when he fell asleep on my chest on the last play. I definitely couldn't cuss. All I could do was just lay back and just revel in the loss. But Baltimore led San Francisco 28-6 to in the third quarter. Power outage. Cut many of the light out in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. People thought it was a conspiracy. Were the Niners trying to stop the momentum of the Ravens? We'll never know. The game was suspended for 34 minutes, and when the lights came on, the Niners staged a roaring comeback and got one West Bryant's hopes very, very high. A statement from Intergy and the Superdome said that a piece of equipment monitoring electric load sensed the abnormality and opened a breaker, partially cutting power. The statement said backup generator is kicked in before full power could be restored. I mean, you got the FBI involved. It was all kind of stuff going on, and nobody will ever know what truly happened. But what Wes Bryant knows is that the Niners versus the Ravens, the lights going out, were straight. Fire, come on now. Y'all know me better than that, man. That was a painful, painful loss. I made my son a, di- uh, a bottle at about 2 a.m. that morning, still thinking about that loss. I think we just had our first mess up, though. You said fire, and then you had that kind of tone. Yeah. 
Did I? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought I said fizzle. No, I didn't. Did oh, no, you my said bad. fire, but yeah. you gave me Dang. the fizzle tone. I don't know what else was to hit. <laughs> you put I'll hit my them bad. both west. Straight fizzle. Uh, my done. bad. Dang. I thought it was fire watching them choking the and Super Bowl. And I said Bowl. it's so casual, too. I thought I delivered it. I said, you said five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did. That's true. I, both, both feelings. It's okay to have both feelings. Sometimes things can be both fire and fizzle. Light fire. There are no rules to this. The David Tyree helmet catch. Fire Fizzle West. I mean, you're talking about it was a play involving Eli Manning and David Tyree. It featured Manning escaping from the grasp of not one, not two, but three New England Patriots defenders. He threw a pass down the field, 32-yard gain. David Tyree held on to it despite Rodney Harrison trying to snatch it out of his hands. It was huge for them because it set up the touchdown from Plaxico Burris. To give them the 17-14 victory over the undefeated Patriots, spoiling their chances of matching the Miami Dolphins of 1972 as the first team since that team to go undefeated on the season. NFL Films, as Steve Sable called it, the greatest play the Super Bowl has ever produced. The play was also named by NFL Films as the play of the decade and... It was also the final catch of David Tyree's NFL career. But what do I think about this? This is my memory. The Giants came through in a major way, knocked off the New England Patriots, who were juggernaut, and it was straight. Fizzle, you know I wanted to see my man Randy Moss get that ring and Brady. I was very upset in that game. That's tough, man. Two fizzles from Wes's own memories. That's a tough one. Next one up on the list, Malcolm Butler, interception versus Seattle. They didn't run the ball, Wes. (laughs) They didn't do it. Fire fizzle. University of Phoenix Stadium. Seahawks were within a yard of a second straight NFL title. And they trailed 28 to 24 with 26 seconds left. Had the ball on a second and goal from the New England one. And Russell Wilson took the snap, tried to throw a quick slant to Ricardo Lockett. He looked open for a second, but Malcolm Butler would have none of that. Undrafted rookie out of West Alabama, read the play, reached lock at the same time as the ball, and snatched the hopes, snatched the dynasty out of the hands of the Seattle Seahawks. What do I think of this play? One of the most memorable plays in NFL history because for a minute, I didn't understand what had gone on. I was like, whoa, what happened? And it was straight. Fire, you already know, and basically, it is Seattle's dynasty. I'm a Niners fan. There are a lot of Patriots moments on this list for you to be a 49ers fan, man. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Just telling you. I mean, they had some big Super Bowls, man. They did. They played in a lot of them, no doubt about it. Patriots come back against Atlanta. Here's again your boy, Tom Brady, winning another one. I imagine I know where this is going, but I don't know for sure. Fire Fizzle West. I mean, I was a pseudo New England fan. You know Brady's one of my five favorite players of all time. I love Tom Brady. You know this. But hey, they were headed towards one of the most embarrassing defeats in NFL history when they were down 28-3 to the Atlanta Falcons in the third quarter of the Super Bowl. Even in the fourth quarter, when the Patriots were making the score 
a little bit better. The Falcons still had a 99.6% chance to win with nine minutes remaining in Atlanta leading 28 to 12. The Patriots didn't lay down. The Patriots, Tom Brady made his plays, two final touchdowns, both accompanied by successful two-point conversions, forced overtime for the first time in the Super Bowl era. This is a very memorable game, Walker Mail. Patriots won the coin toss, marched down the field for the winning touchdown during the first possession of the overtime period. The 34-28 victory was secured. The Patriots got their fifth Lombardi trophy and their second straight Super Bowl win after trailing by 10-plus points in the fourth quarter. You saw it. The West Welker catch. T.I. All the rappers in Atlanta you can think of. Jeezy, Pastor Troy, you name it. They were all celebrating. They thought the game was over, but it wasn't because 12 was out on the field and it is straight fire. Greatest comeback ever. One of the top two to three games in Super Bowl history. Last one. San Francisco 49ers blow out the Chargers in 1994. Fire fizzle. I mean, young West Bryant was sitting in front of that TV with the Domino's pizza and the soda, ready to watch his Niners get it done with one of the greatest teams you'll ever see. They defeated the Chargers 49-26. They became the first team to win five Super Bowl championships. They played this game at Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami, Florida. And this game was the game that Steve Young got the pressure off of his back. Everybody was wondering, could he fill the shoes of one Joe Montana that won four Super Bowls? Two of those with Steve Young as his backup. I mean, several big-time players, Dion, Ricky Jackson, all those guys on that defense. 49ers finished that regular season with a 13-3 and record and led the league in total points scored. The Cinderella team, the San Diego Chargers, came in with Junior Seau. God rest his soul. This was the first Super Bowl in which both teams scored in all four quarters. The combined aggregate score of 75 points and the 10 total touchdowns, both to this day, remain Super Bowl records. So when you talk about Dion and Steve Young and Ricky Waters and the list goes on and on, the 49ers getting a job done down there in hot Miami. It is straight fire. It's the last Super Bowl I see my team win. Cut the music off. That is a loud, passionate, Super Bowl-ready Wes Bryant telling you what his favorite Super Bowl memories are of his lifetime. Lots of Pats, lots of 49ers, and maybe, just maybe, when we do this next year and you go through this list again, you'll have a favorite Super Bowl memory this upcoming weekend. Or it could be Fizzle. Who knows? We'll find out next year. (laughs) Fitty gave it the buzzer. We have one more hour to go on Wes and Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.